Tall Tales and True is produced on Yagara and Turrbal land, and I'd like to pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. When you're a sex worker, sometimes the people who are meant to protect and serve are the people you fear the most. This is Tall Tales and True. I'm Tilly Lawless, and I'm pretty public about earning my living through sex work. But in South Australia, where today's storyteller works, sex work is still criminalised, and brothels are illegal. Jane What's-Her-Name shared her story for the intro room, a virtual storytelling night for sex workers, which was held during the pandemic, when a lot of us had lost our incomes. Jane told this story on Ghana land, and she began by acknowledging elders past and present, and that sovereignty was never ceded. So tonight I'm telling a story about my favourite client. It was 25 years ago, and I'd been working in a brothel in South Australia, where, as mentioned, sex work is and was still illegal. The police during this period were particularly heavy-handed and I'd already been through a very scary, traumatic police raid in the short time I'd been working in the industry. I was left with a conviction for receiving money in a brothel, lawyer's fees, court fines and no job. I was scared of going through another raid, but I felt like I had no choice but to find a new place to work. One of SAPOL, or South Australian Police's favourite strategies for getting evidence against us is to send plainclothed police into brothels pretending to be someone looking for work or pretending to be a client looking for a service in the hope that they'll trick us into saying something incriminating. This made finding work in the sex industry interesting. Interviews were pointless with both of us or everyone dancing around the details, talking in riddles and giving knowing looks. Me trying not to look or sound like a cop and them hoping I'm not a cop. Negotiating my pay and conditions in this context was challenging. The only way to get the info I needed was to start work there and find out for myself. So I'd been doing shifts at different brothels for about a week, looking for somewhere to settle. By the time I showed up at Karma Therapy, I was getting frustrated and had pretty much given up on finding anywhere that didn't make you work 14-hour shifts or fine you for being late. So Karma Therapy was the name of the brothel located in a large house on a main road in suburbia. I'd never been there before, but when I showed up in the taxi, I knew that it was the right place because of the massive street numbers that had been painted in white paint on the fence. But when the receptionist led me through the house, it was indistinguishable from someone's nana's house. There were family photos and portraits on the wall, doilies on the coffee table and a cat wandering around. I later realised this was an attempt to disguise the business as someone's home rather than a busy brothel with three workers on shift. The receptionist asked me to show her my boobs. Another police evasion strategy. This hadn't happened at any of the other places I'd visited and I'd felt uncomfortable about it, but I obliged and I was actually glad I did. It made the interview so much easier because I was able to be clear about what I wanted from a job and a receptionist could cut straight to the chase, feeling safe in the knowledge that a cop wouldn't flash her tips. The price I charged the client was less than my old workplace and therefore so was my pay per job, but the place was busy, so I gave it a go. It was at this brothel that I learned about intros. At the previous workplace, we just took turns and refused to answer any questions before they paid us in case they were cops. This often led to clients feeling as frustrated as I had when I was looking for work. They were giving up their time and money, uncertain of exactly what they'd get for it. But karma therapy had a different method of avoiding the police detection 
in this case as well. The same receptionist that checked my credentials would also make the clients undress. And by the time the workers met the clients, they'd be in the toweling robe, having flashed their bits to our gatekeeper. This made our job easier and we could talk openly about our do's and our don'ts and our prices and our service. And it was actually quite refreshing. And that's not the only way that the policing tactics shaped how we did our work at Karma Therapy. Management at this brothel was also very concerned about condoms or lube being used against us as evidence, which is still common police practice in this great state. So we didn't have a selection of safe sex stuff on the bedside table in, in the rooms. Instead, the receptionist would give us one tissue with a blob of lube on it, one condom and one condom for each job, just one condom. And to limit the chances of, of us leaving any telltale evidence laying around, that condom was already opened and it was out of its wrapper. I like my condoms to be in sealed packaging, but I wanted to avoid the cops more, so I didn't complain. They were protecting me from the, the police and I felt safe. But even with all the precautions, still one day it happened and there was a raid. And no matter how many times I meet the cops, they never fail to intimidate me and scare me, and this was no different. I was in the room with a client at the time, an old Italian guy. It was a quick service. We were nearly at the end when I heard the doorbell ring repeatedly. No sooner had I registered that it was a receptionist warning us, but the banging on my door starts. I hear the police yelling, open the door before we bang it down. They're thumping on the door so hard, yelling loudly, and I heard footsteps everywhere outside. And adrenaline was pumping through me as my client and I threw our clothes on. I quietly repeated, you just had a massage, you just had a massage, you just had a massage just had a massage over and over again. I'm surprised by how calm my voice sounds and I hoped that he could hear me over the panic and the door being bashed down. 25 years later and my heart still races thinking about it. I was so scared rushing around but I managed to open the door just before the flimsy lock broke and as soon as I did I was grabbed by one of the three cops and shoved roughly out of the door. Another cop led me down the hall past the other rooms where I saw my good friend being questioned. She was wrapped in a towel and crying. I wanted to stop and hug her but I, and I wanted to tell her to say nothing, but I was too late. She'd been tricked into telling them everything, believing that it would cause them to be more lenient, but of course it didn't. Thanks to her confession, they didn't have to bother getting a statement from a client. But that's not usually a problem anyway, once they apply even a small amount of pressure. And if that doesn't work, they bring out the threats. Shall we come back and talk about this in front of your wife or come to your workplace and chat about this? And the clients end up telling them everything. I'd been through this before. I knew how it worked. There were two cops with my friend and I could see a couple of cops out the window guarding our doorbell and more cops searching the place. About eight or ten cops in total sent to bust us three workers that were on premises. It felt like overkill, but it was effective. I was very scared. I was taken to the lounge where the cop took my details and checked my ID. She asked me if what I was doing there. I told her I was giving him a massage and said nothing else. She looked at me and I resisted the urge to justify and explain somehow. So I just looked back. The other cop came in and they acknowledged that I had a recent charge from the last brothel. I stayed silent. They asked me again while I was there and I asked to go home. They were annoyed at me and told me to sit and wait. So I sat next to the receptionist on the lounge and waited silently. The cop stayed in the room watching us. I knew my client was being questioned in, in my room and my mind was spinning. I remembered the last time I was in this position. I knew what came next. I sat there silently and waited my fate. I had no faith that my instructions to the client about it just being a massage would be good enough to stand up to the police's threats and intimidation as they tried to get him to give me up. I waited for them to lead him into the room so he could identify the person who took her clothes off. I expected I would see a scared and 
guilty face and his finger pointing at me and I was terrified, waiting. Then after what felt like an eternity, but was probably more like half an hour or less than half an hour, I seen my client. Well, I heard him first. He was calling out to me loudly. Ciao, Bella, see you next time. I looked up and he was smiling widely and waving. No fear, no guilt, no pointing. I was confused, but I watched him as he continued to walk straight out the door. And I looked at the cops as I processed what had happened and they looked back at me and I said, you can go. I was shocked. Pretty much every scenario had gone through my head except for this one, but I didn't question them. I left quickly before they changed their mind. I walked and walked and walked until I saw a taxi and I hailed it. I'd worked a full day and I, without being paid, but I was grinning as widely as my client was. I don't know what he said. I don't even know what he did with the condom he was wearing, but he didn't let them intimidate him. He didn't even look shaken as he called out that he'd see me next time. He didn't give me up. I love this guy. It's been 25 years. I don't remember his name. I wouldn't remember him if I saw him on the street tomorrow. But even after all these years, he still is by far my most favourite client ever. Jane's voice gets me every time I hear that story. Jane told her story in the intro room, an online sex worker storytelling night organised during the pandemic by Debbie Doesn't Do It For Free, an Australian sex workers art collective celebrating sex worker stories and culture. Check out our show note for a link to more stories from the intro room. I'm Tilly Lawless, and our next episode will be another one from the intro room. It's all about starting out as a sex worker and overcoming the stigma that comes with the job. In your description, we'll be telling them you're new to the industry. Men love newbies. Little did I know that was code for being easily persuaded into crossing boundaries you didn't know you had. Next thing you know, you're licking the underarm of an 80-year-old man for free. You can listen to Tall Tales and True anytime on the ABC Listen app. And by the way, have you let your storytelling-loving friends know about this season of Tall Tales and True? You definitely should. Hi, journalist Matthew Condon. If you're looking for another great ABC podcast to wrap your ears around, try the podcast I host. It's called Sirens Are Coming. In this season of Dig, I'm bringing you never-before-heard tape of the Sunshine State's most crooked cops and the courageous sex workers who dared to take them on. Yeah, the next thing I turned around and he was there. Um, Glenn arrived. He said to me, you don't seem yourself today. Are you not well? I said, as, as, a, I said, as a matter of fact, I said, I haven't been well all night. I said, I've had a bad headache. Mm. And I was a bit stuttery, and mm. I do get a bit stuttery when I, you know, when I get um, uh, nervous. So he not asked me that once, he asked me that twice. He said, I think I should drive you home today. And I said, no, 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 not at all. Dorothy handed Hallahan the money, and when he walked off, the undercovers swooped. But I wanted to turn around. I wanted to see what was going on with him. It was chaos. I'd give my right arm to know what was said, mm. and the look on his face would have been amazing, wouldn't it? Sirens are coming. You can hear it on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>